Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Outside the Box. And I'm so glad we're doing this, Matt. Uh, we've we've been talking about it. We're finally doing it. And uh, guys, for the for the people listening and watching who don't know, I'm with Matt Dowd. He's from Identity Exchange. He's not only an identity coach, but he also does business development for the company Identity Exchange. Works with Jamie and Donna Winship. Uh, Matt, how's it going, man? It's going great, Ben. I love it. Yeah, it's great to be here. I feel like you know, you and I have had a lot of conversations, and every time, every time we talk, I feel like we both have massive regret that we didn't, <laughs> that we didn't record it. And, uh, and we're like, today we're not letting that happen. We're just, yeah. we're going to have this conversation. We're going to record it so others can, can hear it and kind of, uh, you know, yep. gain, gain something from it. The, the way I've gained, uh, tons of value from my conversations with you, as well as everybody, uh, at identity exchange, Jamie and Donna included. Um, and first of all, tell, tell people a little bit about who you are. Let's, let's go through that. Who, who's Matt Dowd? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's funny. I wasn't even thinking about that aspect of this. <laughs> like, okay, who am I? Well, so yeah, like you said, I, I mean, work-wise, I work with um, Jamie and Donna quite a bit now with Identity Exchange because I've been doing coaching with them for a few years and then recently jumped into the business development side because the company is really growing and needing to scale, you know, and needing to build some systems. And that's my background work-wise has been with like startup companies. I have a, another company that I helped a buddy start back in Oregon where I'm from um, in the software space, you know, and so my role is always trying to build out the operations of the business so he could focus on the product itself, you know, and getting yeah. it to customers. And I found that I really enjoy that process, you know, of taking a visionary, somebody who's got a big idea and knows how to make it work, mm -hmm. but needs help with sort of the back end of the business. You know, it's a little bit front end, a little bit back end, but it's like putting, building that the foundation, right? The part that you don't see, mm. like the skyscraper, you know, there's months and months of just a big hole in the ground. And then you drive by one day and it's 20 stories high. You know what I mean? It's like how <laughs> you got to have that foundation in place though, for it to grow big and tall and be strong. So that's the type of, of work that I do, I guess, in general, you know, in a nutshell. Um, I live in Kansas city on the Kansas side of the Metro, if anybody knows the area and uh, I have a great, I just a beautiful little family going, man. I, that's awesome. My wife's staff. And then uh, we have three kids, Nash is 10, um, Keaton is two and a half and a total spitfire, you know, and then we have a baby girl, Esri, who just turned six months old a couple days ago. What's the baby girl's name? Esri. Esri. It's like, yeah, it's like the feminine of Ezra. I love it. Yeah. I love um, it. Yeah. And she is super sweet. She's super sweet. And she's pretty laid back because her brothers are super high energy. So she kind of just takes it all in, you she, know, she balances everybody out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but she's, you know, she's finding her own voice too. So it's pretty cool to watch. That's amazing. So. You, you know, I, I didn't even plan for this, but you know, based on your background and the work that you do with identity, this is just, it's a perfect segue into the, the topic that we wanted to, to really talk with you about, which is energy and, um, it kind of feels like this is an operational type thing. It's like, where do you get your energy from? Is it coming from, you know, a sustainable source? Um, and, and also, you know, you can lose energy, you know, you can, you can have energy be taken away from you. And, uh, so let me ask you, Matt, like, what do you think about energy? How do you think about it? And, and what are some sustainable places that you yourself get energy from? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when you first posed that topic, I had sort of a negative reaction to it. I was like, energy. I was like, I don't know. What am I going to say about energy? I'm not like a science person, you know? <laughs> and I've got all these other things that I feel like I could talk about in this one. I don't know. But then I was sitting with it and ideas started coming to my mind and it started to make a little more sense. Um, I, I feel like energy is 
a resource um, that we tend to consider scarce, okay, kind of like money and time and love and, you know, to name a few. And the, so like working with Jamie Winship, you know, the, like we both do just learning from him <laughs> some stuff um, has been this idea that maybe those things aren't actually scarce and limited. Maybe we just been thinking about it wrong or understanding it incorrectly. Mm. And so the, like one of the things that drew me into, you know, him and this whole, like working with them or just, you know, learning from him and this whole way of looking at things, uh, was the, um, the, the better, like, like the transition or the, the clarification of what's going on in scripture. Like, you know, the way that he makes it just relatable, yeah, but not just in a religious way, like not just a moral way, like in a real biological way, like human way, like this is just how the world works. And this is how scripture is describing how the world works. So when I started thinking about energy, the, the Isaiah verse came to mind, you know, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Mm. They will rise up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not grow faint. Okay. And so I was like learning to take, <laughs> I feel like we could do a whole podcast series on this. Like which things in the Bible should we take literally and which ones should we take figuratively? Oh man. Maybe we talked about this before, right? But like, what if we took that passage literally instead of just making a poster on the wall to make me feel good? You know, it's like, okay, what is he saying? Like, what is God saying about your source of energy? Physically, literally. That it comes from him and to, yeah, wait, so, and to wait on it. Yeah. So I Googled, like, how do you wait on the Lord? Like, what is that? You yeah, know? exactly. Like, what What is that? In Hebrew, in the scriptures, I mean, I just, this is a cursory, you know, look at it. Um, is that my computer making those noises? I, uh, I believe so. I don't know why it's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how to turn it off. Um, it says, okay, so in the scriptures, the word wait means to hope, anticipate, and trust. So it's like this active it's sort of not so passive, you know, it's just sitting around and waiting and doing nothing. Can you say it's that like, again, that the non-passive version? Well, yeah, to hope, to anticipate, and to trust. Those are act those are active words. Yeah. Those it's not passively just waiting like uh, just sitting around, you know. Yeah. It's like where are you placing your hope, anticipation, and trust? So I think what we end up doing is we place our trust like deep down, like what do we actually trust in? Or if we're putting it in things that are not sustainable, like money, like we were just talking about the banks and all this, you know, the craziness that's going on. Like maybe he's saying that if you've, if you put your trust in finances and money and all that kind of stuff, then you're putting it in a system that's just based on a false hope because our money is just based on our agreement with each other that money has value. Mm. It's, there's no, there's nothing actually real there, you know? Right, you see, see where I'm going with that. I, so, I, yeah, so it's it's faith, hope, and trust. It's anticipation, which is hope. So you're anticipating yeah. or expecting something to happen. Um, so I'm hearing that waiting is active in this scenario, and, and we're taking that literally. Well, we're not taking it literally, but we're we're going to do probably a whole podcast series on, you know, right. <laughs> what yeah. we should take we'll literally and what we, right. what we shouldn't. Um, yeah. So how do we practice that when, you know, you get so, like you mentioned the banks, but we also have like people around us who, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. don't have the same mentality that you and I may have that, you know, take energy away. Like, how do you, how do you practice this in, in kind of like a modern world? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big question, right? It's a, it's kind of like the question, how do you put it into practice? Um, In thinking about that, the first thing that comes to mind is that we have to move beyond our rational conscious mind and access 
the intuitive mind, our imagination and, you know, the, the source again, like what's going on, um, in our spirit, essentially. It's like, what, what if that was the source of all of these things? And when you read scripture, you know, you look at what Jesus says and what's kind of all throughout it. It's like, it really gets at a lot of this, <laughs> what's going on inside even deep down, not just my thoughts, but like deeper than that, like what's powering my thoughts and my perspective on everything. Yeah, I love that. And kind of the way I'm taking that is, yes, you're in the modern world, but really it's all an internal thing. It's all an internal game. And when you go up into the intuitive Mm -hmm. and like you're in control of basically your energy source and you're not letting things outside of that affect it. Is that kind of what you're, what you're saying? Well, I think it's, yeah, I think so. I mean, partly it's just like the, another Isaiah passage comes to mind. Like um, you will keep in perfect peace. Those whose mind is, is fixed on him, right? God is saying that about himself and mind there. The word really can be translated imagination. Mm. So you, you think about how, uh, well, like what's a practical scenario, like think about Thanksgiving dinner, you know, and you're going to be with your in-laws and you have a tenuous relationship with them. Let's just say, right. <laughs> There's some kind of situation that you're going to enter where you feel kind of a dread or like an anticipation, like a negative anticipation, you know, and don't we all sort of tend to just play out that scenario in our mind based on our past experience, yep. projecting it into the future, being like, it's just going to be this other runaround. We're going to get in an argument about politics or whatever, you know, and, you know, or just like the way our family works and it's all going to break down and I can just all see it already happening, you know, <laughs> and then you walk into the situation and then, ta-da, you know, it actually happens. <laughs> it's like we, we live out, um, these scenarios in our imaginations first and we we tend to give a lot of credence to the view the view or the vision of it that is negative Mm. and like that takes energy away that takes joy away right and puts us in a worse mind space and we tend to just believe it pretty easily that that's how it's going to be if we even go so far as to think consciously about it it's just like that's just the way it is Mm. you know or money like we're subject to money because that's just the way it is. Like I can't make any decisions, you know, outside of what my finances will allow. That's the reality that we're sort of confined to. If we haven't taken the time or been fortunate enough to get exposed to this idea of how do you see through that? Like, how do you see beyond it? So when you're talking about other people, I think it's really, really important to seek out people or find people who are intent on not being confined to that. And does that make sense? Like who are, who are interested in exploring what it means to go beyond just what our physical eyes show us and what our rational mind can comprehend and all this kind of stuff that we seem to be pretty dependent on. Yeah. It it seems like, I, I don't know, you know, we've, we grew up, thinking about imagination as like a, you know, fictional thing. Like you, you do that to escape and, you know, but I'm starting to learn, like, I feel like imagination is as much a part of reality as it is fiction. I feel like, I feel like you almost have to exercise that at all times. Is it, has that like through this whole identity process, has your ideas on imagination changed? Oh, huge. Yeah. <laughs> Massively. I mean, it's, it's exactly what you're just saying, right? It was just something to grow out of, you know, and now we're going to apply our rational mind, which is very important. Like you don't want to swing so far the other end of the spectrum that you just eliminate rational thought. Like that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about sort of the sequencing or the order or the source, right? Yeah. Like what's the source? I think a really damaging thing is I think therefore I am. Ooh. That is that is it uh yeah, like Rodan or whatever, right? So, the, so this is damaging. I think therefore I am. 
Yeah. But that's all- become like a catchphrase of Western culture, intellectual, right? Like yep. my being is grounded in the in my rational mind. Ooh. My okay. ability to think and rationalize and my intellect. Then you think about like look at the world. When I think about these things, then I just look at the world and see how does this does this play out? You know. And I feel like it does. It's like we're so convinced that we can just figure everything out, scientifically prove it all. You know, you know what I mean? It's like it's all based in that. So what what's a better way of thinking as an alternative to I think, therefore I am? Because I also can see the positive in that, in that, you know, um it kind of goes back to the note, like fake it until you make it. But like, I feel like, you know, it does take you into your imagination if you look at it the right way. But if you're only in the rational mind. Well, that's right. So I guess if you're thinking about contemplation, you know, yeah. And when I, I think even now, when I think of contemplative or contemplation, I might get this image of like thinking hard about something, you know? Yeah. And that's not what contemplation is about, really. That's it's more like engaging your intuitive mind and observing it or interacting with it, you know, and like letting your conscious mind and, and subconscious actually connect. Because you do have to take what you imagine and what you see in that space and bring it into the into the world, right? Like bring it into reality. I, I always think about like Walt Disney. Yeah. For some reason, yeah, and the story of him just like looking at this empty farmland in Anaheim, California, you know, and saying this people are going to come from all over the world to this place <laughs> because it's going to be the happiest place on earth. And and can you imagine what people would have said if they're standing out there with him? Like you're crazy. What are you talking about? Right. You know. But it existed in his imagination before it existed physically in the world. You know, it had to. It had to exist somewhere before it existed in where we can go see it. Totally. You know? So I'm hearing that the intuitive mind as a source of of energy, um, and for those who who haven't watched it, we've we've done two episodes on the intuitive mind with with Jamie. We'll link them in the description below. It uh, talks a lot about the what Matt here is talking uh, about, which is the um, relationship between the intuitive mind and the rational and how you kind of go back and forth. And what Matt's saying is in the intuitive mind of Walt Disney, he had this vision, and then he goes down to the rational to kind of, you know, make it happen for, you know, yeah, lack yeah. of a better term. Um, right. What, At what? least to have cast it out into the world and then, you know, obviously it took thousands and however many people it took yeah. to actually execute the vision, you know. Do you think of like coming down to the rational as like a task list, a to-do list? Um, like, is that the mm. way you think about it? Because when I think about the relationship between the intuitive and the rational, I think about going into your imagination seeing what comes in your imagination and then going down to the rational and okay, in order to do that, we need this, this, and this something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's part of it for sure. Yeah. I think that if that makes you feel good, then yeah, if it makes you feel like, Oh, well now, now it's just down to like a super mundane thing. Then <laughs> I wouldn't want to think of it that like not reduce it that far down to just that. Yeah. You know? yeah. Because what, what should happen with, as it relates to energy, you know, is that when you have a vision, I keep going to different scriptures here. Like I think it's Proverbs, you know, where there is no vision that people perish. Right. So the converse of that, where there's a vision, there's life. Mm. Right. So I think about, you know, when I have something I'm excited about, I wake up early in the morning without an alarm. I just wake up and I'm like thinking about it already, ready to go. Yeah. You know, and like getting new ideas. And and then you got to work the ideas out. You know, you have to evaluate them and see which ones make sense, which ones can be executed and practically you know, practically which ones are right for right now, which ones maybe for later, you know, there's this whole process to go through. And I think the rational is the mechanism to process it all. Oh, it's like a processor. Yeah. And end up with something of value. Otherwise you, you know, um, otherwise you just have a dream and that's it. Right. It doesn't do any good if it's just in your head. 
Yeah, yeah. And like a simple example is, you know, people that we call creatives, you know, who, you know, can paint or sculpt or write music or, you know, make films or all that kind of stuff. Um, creatives, we've given them that dubbed that title or whatever, but I think everybody is creative in a certain way. Like you can have an accountant who's really creative with spreadsheets and right. the way they look at numbers and stuff. You know, it's just, it's just so finding your creativity starts with finding your identity. <laughs> you know, who are you? How have you been wired? What types of things light you up mm. and produce energy? And I think you could get, get into the science of it. I can't talk about the science of it. Like I'm, I've only could reiterate what I've read <laughs> or heard, you know, but the science aspect of it is not my area of like real strength or understanding, but I know that there's overlapping layers between looking at the neuroscience and looking at the spirituality of it, you know, like what Jesus says, what the Bible says. Um, and then looking just like in, in my own life, I guess, and how it plays out practically. Like I was saying, like the times in my life where I've, it's hard to get out of bed versus the times where it's where I pop up out of bed ready to go, you know, it, they're like, that's energy. And is that, is that something, something we say a lot at performance medicine is like, follow your energy. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about it in relation to like food and, you know, what foods make you feel good versus what foods do you feel like you need to take a nap after you eat them, eat them. Um, <laughs> You know, is that kind of, is it along the same, is it the same concept? Like, um, if you're feeling yeah. energized, kind of follow that. That's a sign that you're, you know, kind of in your sweet spot. Um, yeah. But uh, quick thoughts on that. And then I want to, I want to um, kind of go to the alternative here, which, you know, I, I know people can relate to. Yeah. Well, I would say just, yeah, uh, my initial reaction to that is definitely yes. Um, <clears throat> I think that I think people can tell you can tell a difference when you're feeling energized and excited about something and like want to move towards it, then it's resonating in something that's true about you. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what else to say about that. I mean, I think there can maybe there can be false ways that that happens you know uh, i always found that when i would go down like i bounced around careers for a while kind of early on or like different jobs and stuff because i was always looking for the thing that would energize me and feel like it fit well you know and i would have these you know six months of just really pumped up <laughs> and have some success and then after the success or like the initial success i would be kind of either burnt out or just like, hey, well, I did that, checked it off and it wasn't sustainable, you know? And, um, I think that was where I was trying to apply it in a, in the wrong venue. Like I was doing things that weren't really the right fit, or I wasn't really operating in my true identity in those things. And so it was short lived. So was that more of just a sign to you or because I feel like it's hard to know and, until you feel it, you know, like how would you would you do that any differently now? Well, I mean, yes and no. Going forward, I wouldn't want to right. do it that way because I but I did learn a lot from it, you know. Number one, I gained a breadth of experience, just like super practically. I gained a breadth of experience in different things that helped me a lot now in what I do, actually. It's like good to have a little bit of knowledge about a lot of different things. So I look back at it and like, oh, I'm glad I kind of moved around a lot because I learned a lot of things at the level that I needed them. You know, I didn't need a lot of depth. I needed breadth for what I, for really what fits me and for what I do. Um, I also, um, think it just, it was part of the process. Like I had to come to a point where I got frustrated with how I was approaching it to um, get to the point where I was willing to surrender it, you know, right? And like not realize that I couldn't do it all on my own and I needed to get some outside help, you know? Um, and then surrendering to that, like really surrendering to God and having, you know, and experience and experiences that 
spoke to my inner person, you know, not just my circumstances and all that kind of stuff. That was a massive shift. And what shifted was this, like where I was sourcing everything, right? Like I was looking to these external things, relationships and career and, you know, status or whatever you want to call it. My perception of all those things, like I needed them to be achieving what I hoped they would be or what I thought looked like success in order for me to have a chance of feeling like it was working. So it was fleeting, you know, because when it looked good, then I felt good. And when it didn't look good, then I didn't feel good. So I was up and down all the time. The switch, like understanding how to access this intuitive part of myself, you know, in this in a different source was that I realized that what I needed was already always available. I could tap into it. It was already within me, you know, and with me and within me. And then I could get what I needed from that and then take it into any situation. Yeah. So then I wasn't looking for validation or fulfillment or energy or anything like that from what I was doing. I was bringing it with me into what I'm doing. Is that so I never want to go back and never want to go back to the other way of doing it. Right. Right. You know? When you say tap into it, are you saying tap into the intuitive or tapping into identity or both? Um, Cause I, I I'm fascinated with this idea of like bringing this with you wherever you go. Um, mm-hmm. So you're less determined, you're less dependent on like finding the perfect job, uh, you know, having, you know, perfect relationships, perfect friends, you know, that sort of thing, like bringing this thing into any, any scenario. And, um, it it feels protective to me, like, you know, in a good way. Mm. Well, yeah. Yeah. Cause now you're, now your dependency like that, right back to what we were talking about before, like, what do I hope and trust in? Where's my anticipation? So it's based in the, in, God, like in this universal presence of love, you know, and energy and light and all these things that we need that sustain life. And um, that has been made known to us and available to us mm. in a personal way through Jesus. You know, he is like a personal, like talk about what do you, what should you take literally? Like, take him literally. He's really, he's a real person that you can interact with. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but we, it doesn't usually show up at your door and come in and have coffee. You know, it's like, this takes place in your intuitive mind, in your spirit, mm-hmm. but we can behold him. We can learn to quiet our minds and listen to him, you know, and engage with it that way. And we get what we need. Right. We're able to exchange our own perspective, which is limited and finite and dependent on all these scarce resources and stuff. We can exchange that for an unlimited perspective and the unlimited source of, you know, time and love and energy and everything that we need. And I don't know if this sounds like just way out there or whatever, but I mean, it's it's super practical. (laughs) It's like just sit for 15 minutes and maybe like learn the right questions to ask or whatever, just sit there and be like, okay, God, if you're real, then what do you want me to know? (laughs) You know, like if you're starting from total scratch, you're going to have to test it out. You're just going to have to try it out. Like help me quiet my mind and see in my imagination what you want me to see and you might have to start by unloading unhelpful things like what do I believe or what what images does is my mind conditioned to produce that keep me stuck in an unhelpful system mm. that keep me stuck in a false belief that produces negative outcomes for me right like what needs to be removed see what comes to mind <laughs> you know it works pretty well that is that, that is interesting how yeah, practical it is like an actual process. Okay. So I have these beliefs. I was not aware of them, but now I'm becoming aware of them. Okay. I want to release those. Okay. If I could encounter love like this or this perfect, you know, presence that wanted the best for me and wanted to help me remove things that hurt me and give me things that help me, like what would it remove and what would it give me back? 
you know, and you just sit in that process for a little bit, see what comes to mind, see how it makes you feel like it should energize you, mm. right? It should give you joy and peace. Like you should experience those things. Your outer circumstances don't have to change one bit. They won't usually, right? The change is happening inside of you. And then you, you gain something that you can then turn around and go take into your circumstance, whatever it is, you know, tough situation at work, tough situation in your family, financially, health-wise, like whatever. You come in better equipped, you know, with joy and hope and anticipation and this positive energy. So and you bring it in. Joy, hope, anticipation, though, that's all energy, right? Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of yeah. want to go to, the, I kind of want to go to the alternative here and get your thoughts on like, I know a lot of very successful people who become successful because of a chip on their shoulder or yeah. anger. Um, yeah. I'll yeah. show you, you know, um, yeah. I'm better than, you know, you or this person, you know, this yeah. person slighted me 10 years ago and right. I've been, you know, I've been like sourcing from that every single day since, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I've talked a little bit with Jamie about it. It seems yeah. kind of practical yeah. to me, you know, oh, yeah. like mm. it's there, you know, it works. It works. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're yeah. kind of turning a negative <laughs> into a positive. I think so. What you, well, when I say those things, what 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 kind of comes to mind for you? I mean, yeah, I think of some athlete friends that I have. You know, it it absolutely works to a degree. Yep. The question, uh, Jamie's favorite question is, "Well, do you have joy?" <laughs> and I think pretty universally, when you talk to someone who's been in that mode, and he's done work with professional athletes, you know, and I I know some myself, and it's like they all get to a point where the joy is gone. You know, they're not 10 years old on the playground playing football anymore. Now it's like, I got to perform so I can get the next contract so I can pay all these bills and, you know, like all just all pressure. Yep. It's all pressure and it's all, you know, based in this fear of what is going to go wrong or, you know, how their image is not going to hold up or just the fact that they don't know. I mean, I look at Tom Brady and I'm like, there's a guy who doesn't know his identity outside of football. Otherwise he would have retired six years ago. You know, <laughs> that's just my, you know, cursory take on it or whatever, but it's like, um, so it becomes like your biggest positive becomes this huge negative burden. Right. You know, or I thought about Tiger Woods a long time ago, like, just go away from golf, man. Just leave it. <laughs> like, well, I guess what else do you have left to prove, you know? Um, and so you feel for people like that, you know, cause it's like, we call it a false positive. They've gotten all this reinforcement in their lives that their value comes from their ability to produce and how good they are at things. And they are good redemptive things. You know, it's like being a great athlete or whatever, being super successful is good. Um, but when it becomes your identity and then you're no longer able to sustain it, then where are you? where are you? What are you left with? You know, you're in really bad shape at that point internally, at least, right? Like you're, so what was the question? I don't know if I'm answering the question correctly. Well, <laughs> it's like, I'm how, thinking, yeah. I'm thinking about like sources of energy and sources of like, you know, um, drivers, motivators. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the chip on the shoulder, right? Yeah. Like what drove me to get here? And I think that, so I think when you, get with people who have kind of been driven by that. They don't want to give it up, right? They don't want to get healthy and feel at peace because then what's going to drive them forward. And um, so something I tend to say is like, people don't want to change because a false identity is better than no identity. Ooh. Yeah. Right. Makes a ton so of like, sense. I'm afraid of like, I don't know who I am without, football or without whatever this has made me successful and so it's just a void when i look at that option mm. you know it's empty and that's scarier than anything i'd rather just kind of put up with this because there is some good that comes from it and i you know i know what it is and it it gets you know provides a good lifestyle or whatever even though you might be dying inside you know totally burnt out or 
doing things out of obligation. Obligation is a big, it's like the number one thing I want to avoid in my life. <laughs> I don't want to do, I do not want to do anything out of obligation. And I mean, like changing diapers, which I am in that phase right now, you know, <laughs> and it's been amazing to feel like I'm not doing this out of some sense of drudgery and obligation. You know, there's like some joy in there. Actually, it's pretty interesting. So how, like, how did you, because I feel like that's that's super practical. There's like, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, say you're a new parent, you're you you're having to do things that, um, you know, on the outside looking in, isn't glamorous, you know. And right. how do you find joy in in all those things, um, and not see it as? Because I also think of like obligation, responsibility, stuff like that, like really good, you know, like it's good to have responsibility. It's good to, you know. Um, meet your obligations. Can you kind of talk me through that? Cause I, yeah, what I'm kind of hearing you say is like, you can, you can find the joy in, in it not feel obligatory. Yeah, exactly. It's not just like not doing things I don't want to do. It's more like the change of perspective on what it is that's happening and what I am doing. So like with a diaper example, for example, I just found myself having this cool connection, you know, with my kids and like serving them in a way that they need, you know, and it's like, it's a humbling thing, but it was just, it felt like there was something cool happening with mm. that, you know, it's not a big, huge deal. Um, it just like it helped me not see it as like, Oh, I'm changing the 795th diaper. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, and, you know? And so it's, um, it's just like a subtle shift is all. Can you, can you turn like lots of like kind of, you know, very normal responsibilities like changing a diaper, uh, normal obligations. Can you kind of, is it easy to shift into I'm serving, you know? Uh, and then you get joy from that. Well, if you trace it back, I mean, it's, it's funny. I don't know if this is correct or not, but this is just kind of the way I think about it is that if you really start to dig, you know, and get back to the core of what's going on, is there's something to like, okay, I'm taking out the trash. It means that I'm a person who's a trash taker outer and like, where's the status in that? You know, it just like, bleh, I'd rather be a professional baseball player, you know? <laughs> And so it's like, if my identity is coming from what I'm doing, then when I'm taking out trash, it's like, I don't have a very high view of myself. And I don't think the world has a very high view of that. So I tend to believe that this is just kind of a lowly, you know, and I don't like it because it doesn't make me feel good about me, you know? Yeah. Whereas if I already have my identity secure from the source right? And I know who I am, then turn around and like, I can do anything, you know, as long as it's a redemptive thing. I mean, let's not go, you know, <laughs> <laughs> illegal, immoral, not that kind of stuff, but you know, like anything that I do, it's like that verse that says, you know, work unto the Lord, like whenever you work and whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. And that can, that can actually feel like obligation. Like, oh, I have to be happy about this, even though I don't like it. Well, it's because you're trying to apply a principle externally to a thing that has not been transformed internally. So it's Explain all about the, it's all about the internal transformation, like this perspective shift. Like I'm not getting my identity from taking out the garbage because that's not where identity comes from. And I'm no longer deceived to think that it is. Well, and the other thing is like, you know, you're not getting your identity from you know, changing a diaper because I'm sure people can, because you feel needed. And you know what I mean? Like there's, oh yeah, there's identity yeah. that could come from that. If you're not, you know, doing it from the right source, you know, from a place of service, is that right? Is that yeah, too extreme? Well, no, I think you can go down that whole line of thinking too. Is like, I, I need to feel needed. That's where my identity comes from is like, helping other people. So I compulsively always have to be doing something that makes me feel valuable. That gives me like recognition from other people or whatever, because again, I I'm not comfortable enough just to kind of rest, you know, it's always a balance. Like we, people tend to go, you know, 
off the rails in different directions and then it plays out differently you know so it's not like there's one right or wrong thing it just depends on on how it's worked for you if that makes sense yeah you know, some people need to help less they just need to like take care of themselves or chill out some people need to get off their butt and help more <laughs> you know, like let's contribute here a little bit you know um it's is your is your tendency to achieve or to um what's the other one when we're looking for approval we have tendency to either go out and achieve or we have a tendency to go out and um can't think of the other word but it's like avoidance basically you know just go out and have fun oh oh yeah yeah yeah. okay yeah um it's either i go work hard or i go play hard and avoid you know and that's kind of two main ways that that plays out um that's a little bit of a I'm not thinking of that totally correctly, but we can get back to that sometime if you want. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's a, it's real it's really interesting. And it's funny how subtle all this is, you know, there's like a fine line. And I think, you know, over the course of a day, you're going to kind of be teetering, you know, and you kind of bring yourself back in like where, yeah, what am I sourcing from here? You know? Yeah. The other thing I want to say real quick about obligation is I've seen, so you got the false positives, right? Like the successful athlete or business person or whatever, who, you know, has kind of been powered by their success. And maybe like behind that was powered by some initial setback that motivated them to, to prove that that wasn't going to define them, you know? And so you have the good and the bad that comes with that. But then you have the other side of it where, you have people who have done things they hate for years out of obligation and all the while they've had this dream of what they could be that they've just like squashed and buried it. You know, like I was talking to a pastor the other day who's completely burnt out, like doesn't even know if he believes in the system that he's trying to uphold right now, you know, and it's like, there's all these issues from his past, like just his, you know, childhood stuff, just like uh, relationships with his dad and from, you know, there on out, right? Just all these things that have shaped his view of everything. Um, And he's been trying to do the right thing, but he's got dreams of being like an entrepreneur and being in business. And he's afraid to venture over there for all these reasons, right? Like, number one, he's kind of got security. He's been successful where he's at, but also it's like would leaving ministry and going into the business world be the right thing to do. There's all these just weird, you know, these beliefs that have kind of got him wrapped up and you feel for the guy. Cause you tell you can tell he's like, even talking about that other possibility, like you can hear the energy, the life uh-huh. come into his voice, you know, but then it's always like, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I can't do that right now, you know? And then it's like it's not res- the right thing to do. Yeah, there's some reason why that's not, you know, he can't go do that, even though he would be complete, he'd be a whole different person. (laughs) Like, I can just imagine that, like, at home, you know, and interacting with his wife and kids and stuff would just be a whole different thing if he was able to go step into that, you know, pathway that's been in his mind for so long. But he's just kind of like doing like staying the course of duty and obligation, but it's, it's resignation at this point Uh, to to my situation. And you see that a lot too. And that's really sad. I hate to see that. It's interesting. Like everyone knows like kind of what lights you up, you know, and, or, you know, a lot of people may, may not even seek it out, but, um, I mean, that's a clear signal, you know, cause you're going to be a better partner, husband, wife, whatever, uh, parent, you know, when you live that way and it just seems like a different way of living. Yeah, I would say it's totally different. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like opposite, exactly opposite. Let me, let me ask you, how do you, how do you interact with like people that might be negative, you know? people who don't see the world the way that you do. And, um, you know, because part of this journey, energy, life, identity, coming from, you know, peace and joy, 
people around us might not be the same way or in that same place yet. You know, how do you, how, how have you done it in your own life? <laughs> um, do you avoid them? Probably, <laughs> like, well, you can't always avoid them. And I, I think the short answer would be like overwhelmingly very poorly <laughs> when you say, how have I interacted with them? Um, but I'm getting better. Okay. Because, um, so I have this identity, you know, we talk about identity and, you know, in the context that we're in, we, we believe that like God reveals specific things about our identity to us, you know? And so he calls me the tiller of the soil, mm. which is, you know, not a phrase that I ever would have thought of or invented, but it just, you know, came to me yeah. when I was asking him about it. And that's what he said. And, and um, it means like, I have a really big interest in, truth seeking and finding the core, like the, really the root of what's causing something to happen. I'm always interested in getting beneath the surface. So like breaking up, you know, crusty soil to use that analogy to allow air and light and water and everything to get in there, which allows for growth. But it's, it's about truth. Truth is the, the key, right? Are we operating in truth? Are we operating in some false, paradigm or some false mindset or wrong thinking, wrong belief, whatever. So whenever I see that, I automatically like become a heat seeking missile to like seek out and destroy the lie, <laughs> but it's not always helpful <laughs> and it's not always welcome, you know? And so I've had to learn how to temper it and how to listen for like the leading, you know, like for God to lead, like, is this a time? And it's just a sense really. It's like, is this person ready? Yeah. Do they want, do they want it? Like, are they stuck, but they want to get unstuck or are they just stuck? <laughs> you know, and there's a big difference, right? So I, I try now to be aware of that and it's still not perfect by any means, but I try to be aware of if I'm talking with someone who is like hungry to get unstuck and they want they're inviting in like this digging, you know, or if they're just not ready for it yeah. for whatever reason. And if they're not ready for it, they're not ready for it. Like anything I could do is just going to make it worse or make them not like me or make them feel bad about themselves or, or whatever, you know? And so it's just, it's not productive to go in after it at that point. So, so it's a case by case basis, I guess, you know? So it's more of like an understanding of who you are, and you're not letting negative people bring you down because they're either in a place where they need somebody like you or they're not, or they're not. And so like, you're able to kind of mm -hmm. be like, okay, you know, um, I'll be there for them in any way I can, but you're not letting that kind of affect you or bring or take you out of your identity. Well, ideally, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and when I'm coaching somebody who I, you know, don't really know and they live somewhere else and like their life doesn't really affect me, then it's very easy, you well, know, sure. I'm just like sure. either helping them or not. But if it's somebody who's actually in my life and then I start to perceive things that I think are wrong or, you know, keeping them stuck, then it can start to affect me. It triggers me and then I can easily go into my own old responses to that which is to criticize it and you know fight against it and argue and debate try to change them or change the scenario you know and that's almost always detrimental <laughs> occasionally you know maybe occasionally it works but really it's not a it's not a good way to go about things so then what it, what i've learned and i'm learning to do is when that happens and it's actually something that I, I see is hurting them, but it's also affecting me somehow, then I got to go oh. address it internally first. Like yeah. I got to go back to the drawing board and be like, what is it that's being triggered in me that's causing me to feel this way, you know, and try to work through that and get back to health, wholeness, peace, you know, within myself. And then look again at the situation and say, now, is, what does it need? Is there something productive I can do here that's loving, you know, redemptive or not? Or do I just need to leave it alone? That's probably more often than not. The answer is that just leave it alone <laughs> or just care for the person, but don't necessarily try to solve the problem.
Yes, it's so interesting, and I think you 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 beautifully answered my question there, and I've heard you talk a little bit around that concept of, um, you know, when someone else's behavior or viewpoint or whatever is affecting you, triggering you, triggering you in some way, it's less about them and more about what's happening internally with you because, and then you start to feel in control. It's like, okay, I don't need to like protect myself from this person or, I need to avoid, you know, those people over there. You know what I mean? Uh, It's almost like you can use it as a way of like, well, you know, what's, what's happening inside of me that I need to, you know, get to the truth of, you know, is that kind of what it is? Get to the truth of it or what lie am I telling myself? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Both. Right. when there's a lie I believe that's causing me to be afraid of something, can I identify what the actual fear is? Like, what am I afraid of with, you know, like that I need to defend or fight against, you know, and the truth, what does the truth do? It sets you free. And I want freedom, freedom from this feeling of angst, this need to fight, <clears throat> you know, this feeling like I'm being af- offended is kind of the word like, or like, like th- these people are bringing me down. My, yeah, it's bringing me down some way or another, right, right? Right. Yeah. This is so to tie it back to another like biblical principle. This is what I've come to understand as the straight and narrow way mm-hmm. that few find. Everybody, like we all tend to want to fix the problems that we see out in the world, but we tend not to want to address the core issues inside of us, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm classic at this, you know, like I can identify all these problems, excuse me, like clearly the issues are all out here. You know, I can just tell you exactly what's, what's wrong everywhere with everybody. (laughs) It's simple. (laughs) I I can see it. (laughs) Yeah. But look, I mean, look around at the world and all of the finger pointing and fighting and stuff that's going on, you know, it's like, People don't want to look inside and see what, I mean, it's painful in there, you know, like this is usually coming out of wounds, trauma, pain, brokenness, you know, bad things that have accumulated in my life that I've experienced that, you know, it's, that's when we're talking about the root cause, like that's what's going on. So addressing it would be helpful, but it's not fun addressing it internally yeah okay okay looking inside opening up you know like examining what's going on in there like what's causing me to feel afraid what's causing me to feel anxious angry you know defensive all the things all those things you know that make me any kind of those negative experiences that we have right like what's the cause of it in me um does that make sense like am i making sense with that yeah it it makes perfect sense and to me, it's not, it, it doesn't seem like daunting or difficult. To me, it seems relieving um, because, you know, again, I'm not like, no one can take away from me, it, you know? Like, I think, you know, a lot of us who, you know, are going, you know, we're, we're learning who we are, we're living, you know, with peace and joy. And we're like, you know, all the people who aren't like, stay away. I don't want to, I don't want anyone to take me out of this place. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and this just feels like we're not vulnerable to that, you, you know, or you don't have to be. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't, you don't have to, again, I, I guess you could go into self-protective mode. Uh, Mm-hmm. even when you're trying to stay in your identity and staying in peace and joy. And, uh, does that ring a bell? Does that make any sense? Oh yeah. It's, it's very, uh, it's, it's very subtle, you know, cause there's, <clears throat> there's always another layer. Like we're still human, you know? So we're always going to have things that we kind of struggle with or deal with, you know, I don't think on this side of, life or whatever we're we're going to get to the point where we're completely well 
you know, and right. don't have anything that would ever trigger us or cause us to feel, you know, afraid or threatened or anything like that. It's it hopefully gets to where the those things are deeper and deeper or like more, you know, take it takes more to trigger us, right? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> Oh, my coffee wasn't hot enough, and I just fly off the handle. You know, it's like, okay, that's a pretty shallow trigger. <laughs> you know, um, hopefully we can get get help. You know, get healing from those things. You know, and to the point where it, it takes more and more to get us out of whack. Um, so yeah, I think it's entirely possible to where you see people who are. It's very hard to to rile them up because they're just so practiced it's the, the the discipline you know the discipline word is not like making myself into something it's willingness to engage in the process that will transform me mm. you know that's the discipline can you say that one more time the di- yeah the discipline is not like making myself that that's obligation again right and this idea that like religion does it in, in unwittingly un, you know inadvertently to people to make us feel like we're not living up to the standard and now it's on me to go fix it and figure it out. And so then we try to become disciplined so that we like check all the boxes and don't miss anything, you know, and don't stray outside. Like don't do the wrong thing. Make sure to do the right things. And it's like, but it's all on me. And that's not the right type of discipline. The right type of discipline is staying disciplined to the process of when I'm something comes up that causes me to, sin, you know, causes me to feel anxiety or feel anger or like go into this, you know, this negative self. Am I willing to engage in the process to identify the root of that, mm-hmm. you know, invite God into it to, to heal it, you know, and be honest about it. Like this, this is in my life and it, it does need to be dealt with. I'm not just going to hide it or medicate it or avoid it or whatever. That makes sense. Makes total sense. That's that straight and narrow. Like we're just gonna take it straight on. We're gonna go look at it, <laughs> and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna confess. I can't deal with it myself. Like I can't fix it myself. I need that help. You know. So you're actually engaging in the process. That's the discipline. I would say, is to be willing to engage in the process that allows for healing. The best way to do that is to stay in community with other people who are wanting to do the same thing yeah so you can encourage each other forward in it because by myself i always just want to like self-protect and go back into hiding or go back into my old patterns or whatever like it's just much easier the wide way (laughs) it's just much easier to do it the way i've always done it you know and not deal with it that's super fascinating i feel like that process alone is something that we could get energy from to bring back to bring it back to energy is like that process alone doesn't seem easy but it should produce energy um in and of itself yeah i mean the simplest analogy is like when you're sick to your stomach and you just feel bad and then you find it like barf and then you feel way better (laughs) like immediately you know it's like (laughs) It's just you got rid of the thing that was in there that was poison, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden you feel way, way better. Dude, so, that's, that's so, that's, gross, but to me, it's so <laughs> uplifting. Um, it, it was a, uh, just that one, because we all can, you know, relate to some degree and uh, with, with all this stuff. So uh, that's fascinating, man. Dude, thank you for coming on. Like this has been a blast. I I can't believe we've been talking for an hour now, and and I and I, I want to be you know respectful of your time. And um, we need to do this again. Can we? Can we? Can we get you back on? Yeah, let's yeah, let's do it. Let's rock it. There's man. obviously lots to explore with all of this stuff, you know. Um, real quick, Matt, can you kind of tell people where identity is? Can you, uh, give us where they can find you on the internet, uh, in all the different places, uh, where can people find identity exchange? Sure. Well, I mean, I guess I'd say identity is the best place for like our resources and training. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of free stuff on there and the media tab, you know, just talks that Jamie has given and Jamie and Donna have done. Um, and then there's 
courses and classes and groups and all this kind of stuff that people can plug into. We're working on rolling out a, a community, actually, like a membership community where people can just plug in and be around other people like I was talking about, you know, who are pursuing the same thing that's coming. Um, but yeah, identityexchange.com, best place to probably start. Um, I know we've got some social media stuff too, but I'm not thinking of it right off. Identity Exchange on Twi- um, Instagram would be a good spot just for kind of updates on what's happening. And the other thing too, guys, is I will, we mentioned the intuitive mind. Um, we will link in the description below, whether you're listening on an audio platform or on YouTube, we'll link uh, the conversations we have with Jamie Winship on the intuitive and the rational mind. There's two parts to it. Um, so you guys can dive into those now if you'd like. Uh, Matt, ma'am, such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I feel like we should just record every single conversation we ever have. Let's make that the plan. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. See you later. All right. Thanks. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.